Hey friends, and welcome to the 45th episode of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Land. And I am Kayla Moria. And we are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. Kayla, how are you? I am. I am great. And uh, I'm just as great as I was last night when we talked last. (laughs) Okay. Okay, guys. (laughs) So I did a thing last night where I innocently went to go take Christmas photos for my friends Margie and Steve. And we went to a fancy club. Um, And by fancy club, I mean the kitsch, not like a... I don't know how to make club noises. That was it. That's all I got. Um, (laughs) That was terrible. You went to a rich people's club. I went to a rich people's club to take these fancy photos for their Christmas cards and uh, I, one, haven't been drinking very often because I've been sick for like a million years. And two, if I have, it's been pretty much beer and wine. And I decided that because I was at a fancy club, I was going to have some fancy drinks. And apparently the fancy drinks were pure alcohol and I have no tolerance. Brittany got lit. Accidentally. I accidentally, accidentally lit. got lit. <laughs> so I had... Three beverages total over the course of several hours, and I was just, I don't talk very well to begin with, and it was not (laughs) great. So we we recorded Kayla's speaking parts yesterday. We're we're coming back on a Tuesday. I'm going to immediately get off the call with Kayla, edit this episode, and then send it back to her to upload it. Um, Yeah, it's going to be a fun night. So, uh, yeah, so that is what Kayla meant by that. But, uh, Kayla, how, how was your, uh, how was your week? My week was great. Very busy at work, extremely understaffed and overworked, which is the nature of the auto industry around this time of year. Everybody's going on trips and wanting their car serviced or things are happening because it's getting cold outside. Ah, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, it happens. But I had a great week. I am exhausted. This last weekend, I spent a lot of time watching television to kind of, like, relax. Yep. Got through almost an entire season of Survivor. Like, you're re-watching old episodes, or...? Well, I mean, old episodes, like, they were, like, a year ago. You know They're that Survivor has existed Survivor? this entire time. No! Yeah, no, Survivor never stopped. God. I thought that that was just like a back when the real world was a thing type of deal. No. I didn't realize that it kept going. No, dude. They're on like the 40th season now. And I just watched, started Jesus. watching the season with John Morrison, a.k.a. Johnny Mundo, a.k.a. a million other ring names. He's a wrestler and it's in the oh. David Goliath season. And I, I started watching it because... Of Johnny Mundo. Yeah. I do love wrestlers. You know that. I know you do. It's the the only reason why you have Twitter. That was like, the dude that was like the nerdy teacher on School of Rock, like Jack Black's roommate. He's also Mm. in this season. It's excellent. Oh, cool. It's 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, But aside from that, being overworked and then watching a lot of TV, pretty much nothing. Oh, okay. Cool. Aside from uh, getting drunk at a fancy rich person's club, how was your week? You know, not too bad. Most of the week was all about celebrating Small Business Saturday 
and mm-hmm. like all of the local. So Steve and I went out on on Saturday and I spent way too much money, but it was all at local establishments. So that was fantastic. I actually bought a couple of things from the uh, antique, no, mm, vintage. Yeah, vintage seems more like the better word uh, thing at the Earthrider Market. I actually bought two things, which I'll have to show you. Nice. They're very geometric shaped tops. And I've decided that that's, that's my new thing, geometric shaped tops. I also, at you the Earthrider like, Market. You mean like tops two. like shirts, not like tops like you're just buying like square shaped like tops. Like hats? I was doing sort of like a hello my baby hello my darling motion uh no uh yeah one is one is like a (laughs) 80s sweatshirt and it has shoulder pads and then the other one is an actual like sweater that has geometric shapes on it so that's my new thing my mom is listening to this right now and uh and and shuddering what because you mentioned shoulder pads Oh, they're no. not very big shoulder pads. I actually didn't even realize it until after I bought it that it had shoulder pads. So we shall see how that goes. But at Earthrider, I ran into Jenny, who started listening to us after we uh, ran into her at the Delucon. She made the vegan yeah. pastries. So apparently oh, she's a brand yeah. new super fan. Awesome. Rad. I also on Saturday ran Hi, into Molly, who yeah. we had given her coworker also at Delucon, uh, some magnets and stuff to put in her locker at work. And I finally saw her for the first time since. And she's like, did you put those in my locker? I was like, I did. How are you? <laughs> so that was super fun. Um, and then I didn't tell you before we started recording, but my adventures last night. So you asked me how I was feeling this morning. So the plan was that... After we recorded, I was going to do a sleep study because I go to mm-hmm. a sleep specialist so that they can try and figure yeah. out why I'm exhausted all the time. And so I mm-hmm. I hooked up the machine, which had like a, like a thing that tracks my breath and something that tracks my heart rate. And it was just to test to see if I have sleep apnea, which I don't think I have. But it was like my very first sleep study. And then I literally just didn't sleep at all. I was just awake the entire night. So I think I failed it. But you are the only person I know that can be hella drunk and just be like, hey, I'm not going to sleep. Uh, well, first of all, I, I just don't sleep sometimes. Well, I know that, but I mean, but usually yeah. alcohol helps. I have three beers and I'm like, <laughs> peace, bitches, my blankets cozy i uh i go one way or the other i either have a beverage and i'm suddenly just like out like a light or i just don't sleep at all which is really annoying because i also had a 7 30 a.m board meeting this morning and i've just been going strong going quick question i have to ask do you have to disclose to your sleep study that you were drinking that night and then they determine how to proceed with that information or do they is that irrelevant I have no idea. I mean, the study doesn't, it didn't work because I yeah. didn't sleep. Well, legit. But I don't, honestly, because of like my anxiety lately, there's a very, very good chance that I just wasn't going to sleep very well to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then it just, whoop, fun facts. 
All right. Well, we should uh, probably get going with this episode. Wait. It is before I start because we decided to record this part on Tuesday. I have to throw this out there. It is my best friend in the universe, Travis. It is his birthday. Happy birthday. Badass bitch, and I love him to the ends of the earth, so much so that I need to make sure that anybody who could ever possibly hear this episode know that I love Travis. Happy birthday, Travis. You're the best. Happy birthday. He was my <laughs> he was my best friend at your bachelorette party. Tiff was too. I made a lot of friends at your bachelorette party. He was also kind of your best friend at my wedding. You two yes. like crushed it with my wedding mm-hmm. organization for the day. Mm-hmm. You're both he and I were just people. like right there. Leo and Sagittarius is like right in there controlling everything. Hell yeah. Yep, exactly. Shall we get a word from our sponsors before we get on into this miss? Let's crack into it. So my mom asked me for stocking stuffer ideas. Your mom still gives you stocking stuffers? Hell yeah. And I normally ask for the basic things that I need but don't want to buy for myself, like uh, toothbrushes, um, deodorant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the annoying things that you pick up at the grocery store but you always forget until you actually get home. Yep, yep. Well, this year, I'm switching it up, and I'm asking for beer, for Earthrider beer. That is actually a super great idea because you can stop at the Cedar Lounge Taproom in Sevier, Wisconsin to stock up on your favorite Earthrider beer for the holiday for you and your loved ones. Yep, it's a great way to give a quality gift. And all Earthrider beers are made with Lake Superior water and perfect ingredients. And we're back. I am excited to tell you about my location, which is kind of a surprise. I wasn't expecting to choose this. I had an idea of what I was going to do in my head. But yeah. uh, real quick, warning for some listeners, my location this week has a brief mention of the rape and murder of a minor. So Oof. if that makes you uncomfortable or you don't want to hear about it, I'd recommend skipping ahead mm-hmm. about 15 minutes into the episode to miss my story this week. It is very brief and it's not graphic, but it is mentioned. So heads up. That's legit. That's legit. Mine does not. Okay. Um, It's been a while since we talked about a haunted school. I thought it was time to bring it back, and I was specifically looking in Illinois. And I was unsurprised to have Alton pop back up on the list. Alton! If you do not remember, I talked about a location in Alton back in episode 33. In that episode, I mentioned that Alton is one of the most haunted cities in the United States. And in that episode, I had talked about Mineral Springs Mall, which is a mall that is haunted as hell and still in operation. And if you throw it all the way back to episode four, Brittany talked about the McPike Mansion, which is a haunted as fuck old mansion, also in Alton. Today, I'm going to tell you about the Milton Schoolhouse, an old elementary schoolhouse turned into business building that, according to riverandroutes.com, is one of the most active haunts in Alton. And so my final question is... Why the fuck does anyone live in Alton? For real, though, we have now had two very specific episodes that talk about how haunted as fuck Alton is. And now we're about to have a third. (laughs) 
Located at 1320 Milton Road, the old schoolhouse is a place of heated debate for locals on whether or not it's haunted. It was built in 1904 as a four-room schoolhouse, teaching kindergarten through eighth grades. Fun fact, one of its most well-known students was Robert Pershing Wadlow, also known as the Elton Giant or Giant of Illinois. He was an American man who was the tallest person in recorded history for whom there is irrefutable evidence. Wadlow's what? height was 8 foot 11 inches, and he came in at 439 pounds at his death at age 22 on July 15th of 1940. So bigger than Andre the Giant. Much bigger than Andre the Giant. They might have had the same disease, possibly. Wadlow's uh, great size was, and continued growth in adulthood, was due to hypertrophy of his pituitary gland, which resulted in like an abnormally high level of human growth hormone. So okay. even by the time of his death, which apparently people who suffer from this, it's not uncommon that they die at a young age. Even at the time of his death, there was no indication that he was going to stop growing. Oh, he just kept on going. Exactly. In 1925, six classrooms and a cafeteria were added. Twelve more classrooms were added in 1935. And finally, in 1937, a gym was completed. Mm-hmm. Its doors remained open for 80 years, continuing to educate students until closing in 1984. The school remained vacant until Gary Levi purchased it for his company Intaglio Design. They manufactured items such as decorative glass and they purchased that seven years after it closed. A warehouse was added in 1993 which covered the old courtyard and playground. When Intaglio shut down the school again sat vacant and it kind of started to deteriorate. Portions of the school were rented out to various people, including Piano World and a martial arts academy. It even hosted a haunted house for a period where they had fake blood on the walls, wax, black light paint. Those all kind of stayed up and in place until 2009 when it was purchased by Meredith and Joel Elliott. Okay. This couple purchased the building and did constant remodels, taking the 10 years... 85,000 square foot project and successfully renovating this old schoolhouse and art glass factory into a coffee house, luxury apartments, commercial kitchen, and space for new businesses and a beautiful community garden. That sounds gorgeous. They worked on that for the 10 years until they sold it to its current owner, Doug Mattingly, who purchased it in September of 2019, shortly before the start of the pandemic. Okay. So pretty standard old building right nothing too crazy so what makes it so special and what makes it so haunted the most popular haunted tale is related to a supposed brutal killing and also possible suicide possible revenge killing for years local legend has said that in the late 1930s on a fall afternoon a young student named mary was staying late one night after school to work on a project when someone assaulted her dragged her down into the basement locker rooms where she was raped and murdered. Dude. Her body was discovered mutilated and clothing torn the next morning. The tale goes on to say that Mary had managed to scratch her assailant and had blood and skin under her fingernails, so the police told the community to watch out for people with scratches. And at one Mm -hmm. point, somebody noticed that the school janitor had scratches on his hands and arms. Though when questioned by the police, he said that his cat did it and his mother provided with an alibi saying that he'd been at home with her on the night of the murder. 
They put the janitor under surveillance, and rumors began to fly with people in town talking all about it and getting angrier and angrier with time. They said that he had strange habits and that he paid an inappropriate amount of attention to students in the school. Sometime after, not specified, the janitor was found in a school hallway, hanging from a beam on the ceiling with a note that read, I did it, underneath. Though, there's kind of a hint in the legend that maybe he didn't kill himself, that it had right. been kind of a Freddy Krueger situation. So, it all sounds super dark and frightening, worthy of a famous haunting, right? Like, that's something that's gonna breed a haunting. Yeah, definitely. The problem is, there is nothing in the history of Alton to back up this story. According to Kaylin Chardon of Haunted Illinois, the story is 100% false. And what? Cody Beck and Troy Taylor of American Hauntings Podcast said the same thing. And sure enough, in all of my research, I couldn't find anything that verified the tale. And a murder and assault of a young child is certainly that's something that would have made the papers on its own, especially in a small town. Definitely. And then if you add in a confession note and suicide of the perpetrator, it would have made From the papers. From a creepy janitor? Yeah. 100%. All of yeah. this would have been in some sort of paper. And there's yeah. no records of it. And it sounds like Cody Beck and Troy Taylor of American Hauntings Podcast have a pretty like intense research set up. So yeah. even if I couldn't have found it with like Google and my scholastic stuff, I feel like they would have found it. I feel like also, though, Google would have showed you those things. Right. Oh, hey, there was a girl that was murdered in a school. Yep. And you see, that's the mystery of Milton School. The stories of murder, torture, and suicide don't stem from any historical facts, but instead the imagination of those who have experienced strange happenings in the building, which are not in short supply. Over the years, many people have reported hearing children's voices when no children were present, noticing items moving from place to place with no human hand guiding them, and the uneasy feeling of being watched. The Ghost Hunters visited the building back in 2010 as part of their Grammar School Ghosts episode. The TAPS team was given a tour by paranormal investigator Alexandria... I need to spell my name first for people for the rest of my life because my parents had to be different <laughs> Andrews. That part doesn't really matter. I just love to include it because the article I found it in uh, said that. And I was like, same. I always have to spell out my name for people because my parents wanted to be different. Same. At the beginning of the investigation are Jason and Grant in the girls' shower room, reported to be where the little girl's body was found. As Grant begins to kind of recap the story, they are quickly reminded by Jason that the story of the murder is out of lore and it needs to be researched, which, uh -huh. as Laura Merwin of Mass Live points out in her review of that episode... This was actually terrific for that episode because by this point, the Ghost Hunters had kind of stopped their thing where they needed to research everything, which was one thing that I really liked in the earlier episodes. In the right. early episodes, they were always like, no, we need to verify this first, and then they kind of let that go later on. It was kind of nice yeah. to see it going back to that. Almost immediately, Jason and Grant begin to experience odd activity. As Jason reaches into a room that still has a light on, the flickering off of the light is soon followed by two popping sounds that could maybe be like bulbs going out, oh. startling Jason and causing him to jump out of the room. In another room, Britt and Joe are investigating the boiler room of the school where they hear loud footsteps 
on the floor slash ceiling and creaking above them. They run up the stairs to investigate, but they find nothing. And that is significant because at this time, they were the only paranormal investigative team in the building. So there was nobody that should have been upstairs. The Illinois Supernatural Investigation Society investigated Milton Schoolhouse on March 10th of 2012. During that investigation, while in the basement by the boiler room, they heard running in the hall upstairs too. And they said it sounded like several people descending the west staircase talking and laughing. They were performing the investigation with the owners there and other investigation groups that were all kind of in the same area. And they know that there weren't other people upstairs at that time. Red lights began bouncing around the hallway where they were standing in that basement area. Some of them thought it was one of the other investigative groups that were joining them as that was kind of their agreed meetup point. But one investigator pointed out that the rest of the team was in the boiler room. They had moved on. And so they rushed up those main stairs only to find, like the TAPS team, that no one was present on the floor above them. Upon analysis of the data, the Illinois Supernatural Investigation Society found that several pieces of equipment had failed that were working fine before the investigation. They also analyzed a 95-minute static camera footage that they had set up in the stage area of the gym. And when they went to analyze the 95 minutes of video, it deleted itself after two minutes of viewing. Well, that's not a good sign. And they have no explanation for that event. They did not find any evidence of hauntings directly, especially nothing associated with the urban legend that has been attached to the school. But they said there is definite evidence of paranormal activity based on the noises and the issues with their equipment. Kaylin Chardon reported on the investigation of the building with Haunted Illinois, and I couldn't find the exact date, but it was sometime after June of 2017 because it was after the American Hauntings podcast episode on that location. Okay. They said that they started the investigation in the gymnasium, which was holding random furniture and building supplies, where they took some time to conduct an EVP session. Quote, Stories of children's voices being heard were told, and during a moment of silence, we heard a strange noise which I can only describe as a humming. The humming had a purposeful tune or rhythm to it, but we couldn't find the source. It continued on and off for a few minutes and then faded until it stopped completely. I can't swear that the humming was anything paranormal. It appeared that no one in our group created the humming and it sounded as though it was coming from the gym and not an outside source, unquote. Interesting. Their next stop was the locker room area of the school where they experienced a few spikes on the K2 meter signaling a fluctuation in electromagnetic field that had them interested for a bit, but besides some spiders they said there appeared to be nothing else joining them in that room (laughs) (laughs) however as they began to leave and continue on their journey Kaylin and their friend held back and then the emf appeared to jump again and they received a few words on their ghost radar app which like me they pointed out they always take the ghost radar app with a grain of salt is that what you used when you were out west yes Okay. The words included the name Dan and football. Okay. And so they shouted to the tour guide to get her attention and get, you know, everybody back in there. And the word return flashed on the app. Interesting. So they followed the ghost radar's directions and they all returned, came back in the room. Uh And they said that the app 
continued and they had more fluctuating EMF. Quote, the owner stated that a man named Dan had resided in the building for a while and was a football coach, something that seemed to correlate with the words spoken on the Ghost Radar app. It was right. interesting that when speaking of Dan, the EMF did increase, as it did when the tour guide would turn her back to the K2 device, only to decrease EMF when she approached it. Oh, creepy. I wouldn't swear we experienced anything paranormal, but it was interesting at the very least, as the words on the app were strangely coincidental. Unquote. I mean, you can dismiss what you can dismiss, but at a certain point, if people actually, or if the Ghost Radar app, like, says Mm -hmm. things that make sense yep you have to be like i don't know man <laughs> i think that this might be a thing they ended their time at the milton in the old boiler room which was a thing both other teams investigated first their group was told about a janitor in the 1920s who suffered a heart attack and died in that building that's a little important because it's going to come back to it in one more encounter that i'm going to tell you about in a minute Okay. The K2 meters fluctuated from low to high with no known source causing of fluctuations. They were still using the Ghost Radar app at that time, and there were a couple of words that came through, including France and Europe. And when they okay. asked kind of out into the ether if those words were referring to a vacation, one of the words in response was fact. They didn't think much of it until they did some quick searches for the Milton School in an old Alton newspaper when they were done with the investigation and looking stuff up later. And they found an article from the Alton Evening Telegraph dated June 17, 1939, regarding Edgar Cook, a teacher at Milton School who was getting ready to sail on the SS Normandy on a vacation to France. Uh-huh. I specifically like Kaylin's explanation for why the building was haunted at the end of their report. They said, The truth is, you don't need a horrific event for a building to harbor energy or spirits. Have you ever spent the afternoon with a five-year-old? They have enough energy to last a lifetime, or in the case of Milton, several lifetimes. I mean, it's a whole school full of children. Uh, I love that because I literally say essentially the exact same thing in my story. <laughs> <laughs> like, little kids, they got all the energy. <laughs> you don't even need to have them die. They just exert so much energy. Yep. That's what causes hauntings. Shanda Crosby, a psychic medium, and Michael Clean, who is a publisher, folklorist, and politician from Illinois, investigated the schoolhouse at the end of 2017. They went on the paranormal tour offered at the time, and while they were down in the boiler room, which this harkens back to that last investigation, Shanda said she picked up on an old man, probably around older 50s, in an age that was very on edge. She said he felt nervous. Like he was anxious that people were down in his space. She said she thinks he was a janitor or something of that mix. And there was some sort of affection for the building that she was feeling. Like he was sticking around because he loves the building and wanted to protect it. He's not negative and he didn't want to hurt anyone. He just wanted to make sure that the visitors were respectful of the building. Okay. And that correlates with the tour guide previously saying that there was a man that had a heart attack down there right she also said there was a less intense feeling of a young boy that was probably around eight years old that was scared for some reason she said that a lot of the dark energy that people have claimed to feel in the building she felt as well and implied that this was imprinted energy not necessarily from something that happened in the building itself but just a heavy energy that people have brought into the school with them and stayed there 
And while it's darker, yeah. she still didn't feel any malicious intent. Overall, she said, the spirits there seem like little kids that want to tug on you and try and grab your hand, and most of the energy is pretty positive, like kids just trying to get your attention. Yeah. She tried to pick up sense. on any energy based off of the legend that goes around about the building, and she said uh -huh. she felt nothing murderous, nothing involving rape, no energy that seems to go along with the story that continues to be passed around throughout the community. And at the beginning, I mentioned that this was kind of a point of contention among residents. Some people think it's all hooey and that it's just an urban legend and that there's nothing wrong with the building at all. Some people swear up and down that the urban legend is true. And pretty much any comment section you go to on any of these articles are gonna have people debating it. And you know I love to check the comments section of hauntedplaces.org. This is one of my favorite. I mean... Of course. Yes. I also do that. <laughs> and they had a little mini argument in there. Uh, one person on August 14th of 2017 said, This has been debunked. There is no record whatsoever regarding the girl or the janitor. And then there was a reply on June 27th of 2021 that said, It was never debunked. And there was a little girl who was murdered in the school. And a janitor did hang himself. There's just not a lot of records on the schoolhouse because all of the files on it were thrown away after it was left abandoned. They do that with most abandoned buildings. Oh, really? Yeah. I would figure that there would be some sort of a police report about that, but all right. <laughs> and then there was another reply that said, yep, she died in the school by knife, spelled oh, N-I-F-E. And the janitor killed her and then hanged himself with rope. And Oh, with rope. And then my favorite comment... From October 15th of 2018. This is so rad. That was it. That was it. This is so rad. Sounds like something I would say. This school was once a must-see location for paranormal investigators and was even visited, like I mentioned, by sci-fi television show Ghost Hunters. However, in more recent years, the paranormal investigation stopped and the current owners focused more on giving the school a new life with several businesses, a really successful coffee house and residential apartments now occupying the space. And that's probably because some of the ghost hunting loses its appeal when the building no longer has that creepy abandoned look. I could see that. Yeah, they redo it. Yeah. It's a little less fun. Yep. It sounds like Doug Mattingly, the new owner, is looking to continue to look forward to the future of the building instead of looking towards the past. In one of the last Facebook posts for the schoolhouse, back in December of 2019, like right after it switched hands, Madison and Joel announced the ownership change and talked about how happy they were that the building was under ownership that could really take the big steps to fix up the building even more. And Mattingly said, Over the past 10 years, Meredith and Joel have developed a beautiful North Wing with very well-respected Mavis Coffee Shop with a 4.7 Google rating. They hired awesome employees, placed great tenants, and designed an operation that just works. That took a lot of work, a lot of patience, and a lot of never give up. Now we look forward to the next phase, but what is the next phase? The Milton Schoolhouse is a wonderful conglomeration of opportunity. There is the original school building in the center with somewhat large open areas on each floor. Great for anchor restaurants, brew pubs, or so on. There are long halls on either side with schoolrooms already divided. Great for offices and or apartments. A large gym with a stage for like maybe wedding venues, concerts, or a community theater. And a huge warehouse for storage indoor farmer's market, etc. In addition, there's a lot of land. Currently, the back half hosts a large community garden. So as you can see, opportunities are overflowing. 
This is a large project and it will require a lot of work from a lot of people, so I look to the community for help. Have ideas? Let's hear them. Looking to work for in the community? Bring your resume. Want to start or move a business? Need an office and want to sell your stuff? Let us know. So if you're a listener and you live near Alton, I guess let them know. And then while you're at it, please let us know why do you live in Alton? It's so haunted, (laughs) y'all. We've already talked about this throughout the course of the podcast. (laughs) It's so haunted. Finn. Finn. (laughs) So on a skeptic scale of para to normal, para being five, normal being one, what do you give the Milton Schoolhouse? I'm going to give it a 3.5. Bitch, you stole my rating. (laughs) Well, it's just, okay, so I do not like the fact that so much of the story revolves around something that there seems to be absolutely no evidence of. Mm -hmm. However, so much of the stuff that happens, the activity, is documented, and it's all, like, the same thing over and over and over again. So that's what I, I'm saying. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I would I would appreciate being able to have more of of a reason. Although, as I said, I think, you know, little kids, they give off so much energy. Like I wouldn't be surprised if all all schools are just haunted just with residual yeah. energy. But um yeah. Yeah. Like the haunted Illinois article, like like they said, have you ever been in a room with a five year old? So much energy given off. You fill a building with these kids, of course there's going to be a bunch of energy. For what, 60 years? 80 years? 80 years. 80 years. So, yes, I think that's completely legit. I do also think that it does say something that of the paranormal investigations, Mm -hmm. the activity that's reported is reported in the same areas and... The activity that's reported in those areas is equal to kind of what's happening. Like, when they're in the locker room, they hear footsteps above. Right. When they're in the boiler room, they feel like an older person's presence. Right. It's similar to each other, but not so similar that they just copied. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It's not, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. They didn't have the idea in their head, and then they're like, oh, my God, I heard it, too. And I love anything that references ghost hunters. It's like the opposite of ghost adventures for me. I I talk about ghost hunters in my story. Yes, Taps Team. Taps Team. Taps Team. Well, I'm excited to hear your story, so I think we should get into it. Are we ready for another word from our sponsor? Yes, we are. Ooh, that was a good one. It was a good one. Brittany, could you please explain to me what a residency is? Of course. So a residency is basically where an artist plays or performs at one venue regularly for an extended period of time. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Well, it looks like Earthrider has some hella residencies going on at the Cedar Lounge. You are correct. Ingeborg von Agassiz maintains her long-standing residencies in the taproom, playing acoustic 
every Friday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And then Colin Meir, Boss Mama, plays soulful folk country blues every Wednesday in December from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. And then in January, Charlie Parr begins his Wednesday night midweek bracer and blues meeting every Wednesday from 7 to 10. That is a lot of excellent music and great opportunities to just see things live, which we all love. So good. Cold beer and good tunes are a great way to relax after a long day at work. For more information on these and other Earthrider events, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earthrider Beer. And we are back. Yeah, we are. Yeah. All right. So I left you in suspense for a whole 24 hours as to what my story is. Do you know how hard it was to not, like, research this after you told me what it was? When uh, Kayla messaged me earlier and said that she needed to know what it was so that she could make the preview post. But then I was like, you can't. Can't look at it anything. Don't look at anything about it. I'm gonna tell you about it. Cause normally by this time we both have both of our stories recorded together. So Yes. Well, tonight I'm gonna tell you about the Belvoir Winery in Liberty, Missouri. Okay. Which is all that you know about it, is that it's a winery. That is all that I know. In and I Missouri. know it's a winery. Who lo- who doesn't love wine? And Right? I was going to say, who doesn't love Missouri, but a lot of people don't love Missouri, so that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, before I even get into the story about the winery, I have to tell you about a little non-political, non-sectarian, international fraternal order known as the Odd Fellowship. Okay. Wait. The Odd? Wait, I, I said okay, but really, the Odd Fellowship, that's their name? Yeah. So, according to Wikipedia, the Odd Fellows are one of the earliest and oldest fraternal societies, but their early history is obscure and largely undocumented. But, from what we do know, their first documented lodge popped up in London in 1730. The mission of the Odd Fellows, which is what they're called, is to promote philanthropy, the, quote, ethics of reciprocity I cannot say that word no matter how much I've tried reciprocity thank you I'll never be able to say it I've never it just my mouth doesn't like me with the word uh necessary (laughs) and Sarah with the word iron because she always says iron all right all right it's not just you it happens to everybody yeah so the ethic of reciprocity aka the golden rule and charity that is the mission of the odd fellows is to promote those three things now as was the way throughout the 17 and 1800s several british odd fellows traveled to the americas and the long and short of it goes that they created their own chapter here which due to complications with that pesky revolutionary war and all that jazz they also ended up wanting independence from their British counterparts. Okay. Thus creating the Independent Order of Odd Fellows, or IUF. <laughs> but the purpose of the Independent Order of Odd Fellows remained the same, to, quote, 
visit the sick, relieve the distressed, bury the dead, and educate the orphan. Specifically, Ayub's mission is to A, improve and elevate the character of mankind by promoting the principles of friendship, love, truth, faith, hope, charity, and universal justice. Though, despite the fact that this has existed in the U.S. since 1819, they didn't actually remove its whites-only clause until 1971. Two, to help make the world a better place to live by aiding each other in times of need and by organizing charitable projects and activities that would benefit the less fortunate, the youth, the elderly, the environment, and the community in every possible way. C, to promote goodwill and harmony amongst people and nations through the principles of universal fraternity, holding the belief that all men and women, regardless of race, nationality, religion, social status, gender, rank, and station, are brothers and sisters. So maybe these specific guidelines are a little bit more recent than the 1800s, because that doesn't sound like something that was original to the clause. Yeah, yeah. And four to promote a wholesome fraternal experience without violence, vices, and discrimination of every form. Good for them. Good for them. But what does this have to do with the winery? Yeah. Well, that is because before it was a winery, the property was known as the Odd Fellows Home. By 1835, the Odd Fellows had made their way to Missouri, and by the end of the century, they had created this 240-acre complex that had its own hospital, orphanage, school, nursing home, and cemetery. And the setup was essentially a form of, like, health and life insurance, where members in good standings could use the services for themselves or their families were something to happen. So, example, if a member died, their children would be taken in. Or if after some time their elderly members needed to go to a nursing home, they had one. Or, you know, if they just needed to go to school or go to the hospital, it was all included in their membership of Ayouf. Ayouf. And unlike similar places in the state that took care of the elderly, the orphans, or the widowed, the Oddfellows home was a modern facility with heating, plumbing, and other conveniences. And Mm -hmm. like many other complexes that we've talked about in the past, the Oddfellows home was essentially self-sustaining, with most of their income coming from the farming of the most of the 240 acres of land that surrounded the complex, with the residents working the land and in the various buildings, if able to. So you might be thinking, hey, these Ayuf peeps seem pretty down-to-earth and chill, right? Like, just helping people out and hanging out, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, like other fraternal organizations... They also had their fair share of secret rituals and rites. Orphanage, nursing home, hospital, bam. Initiation ritual that involves a real human skeleton. Because if you wanted to become a member of the Independent Order of Odd Fellows, an Ayufian, just kidding, I'm pretty sure they just called themselves Odd Fellows. Uh, but if you wanted to, <laughs> I like Ayufian better, but whatever. But if you wanted to become a member, you first had to complete an initiation ritual that faced your own mortality. And it's not super widely known exactly what that entails, other than the fact that you get to meet George. And George is a real-life former Oddfellow who had donated his body to science, 
And then after it was no longer needed for teaching, his bones were then bleached and per his request, returned to Ayuf for this ritual. So what we do know is that part of the ritual is that you meet George, who's a human skeleton, and you're supposed to do something and it's supposed to allow you to face your own mortality. Mm-hmm. I, I think something like you can't you can't help all these people if you're afraid of death. I don't I don't know. I, I don't really know the, the whole situation, but that is what they did. Also, apparently all Oddfellow skeletons are named George, not just this one. So throughout the different chapters around the world, as part of the initiation ritual, everyone had to meet a skeleton named George to face their own mortality. And fun fact, George is still around, as well as other things that were left behind by Ayuf, such as masks, books, and swords. Because now the Oddfellows' home is a winery and event space, and you can still find George, as well as those other Ayuf artifacts. And there's, for some reason, not a lot of information about the transition from the Oddfellows' complex to a winery, which Mm -hmm. you think would be interesting, and I don't know why I don't know that. Uh, But we do know that the current owner's family actually bought the property sometime in the 90s, and then here we are. And and apparently it's super haunted. Well, okay. First of all, obviously it's haunted. There's human skeletal remains on the grounds. They didn't salt and burn it like some Winchester shit. But then, <laughs> all, like, where are our Duluth wineries that include skeletal remains? Because I want to be there. I can only assume that there's some hidden in the kitchen, though. That's the perfect place to have secret rituals. Nah, rich people don't give a shit about skeletons. <laughs> Unless Only it's the those ones cool in their closet. <laughs> I suppose that there could be a lot of reasons why it's haunted. George, I mean, one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of people who actually probably died there. They had a nursing home and a hospital on the property. And actually, for a while, that was the only hospital in the entire town. So if something happened, it happened there. They also have a cemetery on the ground with an estimated 600 people buried there, according to several sources. And then there's just the residual hauntings, which can often be associated with places like orphanages, since children expel so much gosh darn energy all the time. Tie-ins! Unintentional tie-ins! Unintentional tie-ins! But let's crack into the stories. So let's start with the kiddos. They are everywhere. The Belvoir Winery was built on the first floor of what used to be the orphanage, and people report hearing the sounds of children running up and down the stairs, as well as giggling. (laughs) The owner once reported seeing the apparition of a little boy in a red shirt, blue knickers, and brown boots who appeared near the fireplace. And although he could see all of the details of the boy very clearly, he could also see the fireplace through him, which I assume is what tipped him off to the fact that it was a ghost and not a real boy. Mm -hmm. People report doors opening and shutting on their own, as well as a strange, eerie, unexplainable noises, like the sound of a piano playing, which Mm -hmm. I watched the Ghost Hunters episode, and uh, (laughs) when they were in this area of the property, they heard the sound of a piano playing. They actually found a piano and was like, was it this one? And then while they're standing next to this piano, they heard another piano playing in the distance. They did eventually find the second piano, but no one else was in the building, and they're not sure if the second piano was the source of the noise that they had originally heard or if it was just some sort of phantom piano noise. Yeah, for sure. 
But that's not the only musical thing that you'll hear in this building. I think that the absolute worst thing about the ghost kiddos is the fact that in, well, various places around the property, but especially in the halls of the winery, they are known to sing Ring Around the Rosie, which is, I think, definitely one of the creepier of the old Uh times. Ready? Ready? Ring around the Rosie Pocket full of posies Ashes Ashes They all fall down That was my creepiest ring around the Rosie. That's super creepy, and I can only (laughs) assume that that's what these little kids sound like. (laughs) Though, during one investigation, the team members went with Mary Had a Little Lamb, and that also caused the EMF detectors to just go absolutely crazy. What the fuck? I don't know. You're going to go with Mary Had a Little Lamb over a ring around the rosy? Maybe they got too scared. That makes sense. Also on the property is the old hospital which is pretty dilapidated and people really only go there for ghost tours but it is also known for some odd phenomena during one ghost tour a woman on the tour had to sit down because she suddenly felt really unsteady after a few minutes she stood up then fell backwards and hit her head on the wall her eyes rolled to the back of her head and she got extremely sweaty and when she finally came to she had absolutely no memory of what happened On another occasion, investigators heard a deep growl coming from the room known as the mischievous man's room, which I couldn't find really anything more about. Any Uh, man ever. Yeah. After they heard it, one of the women on the tour offered to, like, go check it out. But as she walked towards the room, she felt this, like, really oppressive feeling of doom and dread. And eventually she was like, fuck it. No, thanks. Just kidding. I don't want to do it. Yep. Uh, and then the growling continued, and then the entire group of people decided it was best just just to just bounce. Like, oh, nope, for sure. We don't we don't need to stay there. There is an outbuilding on the property, apparently once used for food storage, as well as a favorite place for the orphans to hide out to avoid doing chores. Mm-hmm. Feel you there. And during one investigation where the team members were communicating using dowsing rods, when investigators asked the question. Where are your friends? The rods would point to locations throughout the room, which they got the implication that they're they're everywhere. I don't know that I buy dowsing rods. No, that might also, be the one thing that I'm not into. No, also, so they took it as creepy. It means they're everywhere. But also, that's just what dowsing rods do, is they go <laughs> everywhere. Yep. Anyway, then when it was time to say goodbye... One woman experienced the feeling of being hugged, which apparently actually happens throughout the property, is the sensation as, like, a little kid is tugging on your hands and legs and, like, hugging you. Ew. I don't want hugs. Consent first, please. According to an article about the haunting on visitclaymo.com, one specific child who hangs out in that bunker area is named Matthew. Mm -hmm. During the author's investigation, quote, Members of our group held up the K2 electromagnetic sensors, little devices that look like TV remote controls but have a variety of colored lights that flash when a ghost is nearby. Other devices help translate the energy of the spirits into words that we mere mortals might understand. Well, that's very flowery language there. 
And so <laughs> the person said, Matthew, will you come out and play? And the controls began to light up and noises blurted out of the audio equipment. Matthew was in the room. And if the sounds were to be believed, he brought a friend named Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Although most of the buildings on the property seem to have, according to the owner, kind of like nice chill spirits in them, one of them, not so much. The nursing home on the property, which I actually think might have been torn down since most of these sources were published, has some less than great vibes. In fact, in the Ghost Hunters episode, Jesse, the owner, said that he was concerned about tearing it down, despite it being in complete and utter ruins because he was worried that the darker spirits will then move to the winery and he liked the happy kid spirits that are currently there and didn't want to deal with all that other nonsense. No shuffling. No shuffling. We They told him that if it's a residual haunting, he doesn't have to worry about it. Uh, but if it's not a residual haunting, uh, that might fuck some stuff up for him. So Legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There is a morgue in the nursing home, and people have been known to be pushed and touched, as well as reports of hearing whispers, as well as whistling. Throughout the property, people report hearing disembodied voices, laughing, singing, and footsteps, though some people have reported seeing apparitions and shadow people, including one that apparently peeks around corners, which it just... You know peaking, that I'm not into that. Nope, yeah, the I'm not into it. the peeking and the crouching yep. ones? No, thanks. But there is a lot to enjoy at the Belvoir Winery, from the wine itself to the beautiful tasting rooms, event space, and it even has nine rooms that you can rent out. And also, of course, there's always the ghost tours if you'd like to see it all yourself. So they host regular ghost tours. Nice. As well as weddings. So even though, kind of like my story, it's a successful business in an old building... Right. My story is kind of trying to steer clear of it. Your story is embracing it. Yes. I do think that they... Hmm. I, If I read that correctly, I believe that they have like an outside company who does the ghost tours. But uh, Jesse, the owner... It's been on Ghost Hunters. It's been on Ghost Adventures. It's been on a couple of other things that I cannot remember right now. But it's been on a bunch of shows. So they don't, they don't really stray away from it. Okay. Yeah. So on a skeptic scale, I'm going to give it the same rating I gave my story, which is a 3.5. I'm down for that. Yeah. And I think that based on listening to my story as I read it and then your story, I think a lot of it has to do with maybe residual hauntings are believable, but not as believable when there's not a tragedy behind it. I agree with that statement. We all like... We both fully agree that residual hauntings exist. Mm-hmm. However, without an actual story to cause some sort of a upheaval, yeah, we tend to not believe it still as much. That yep, exactly, exactly. Uh huh. Uh huh. Which doesn't necessarily make sense, but alas, here we are, and here also, we are. Our skeptic scales are completely arbitrary, and <laughs> very based well, upon. What it's not totally arbitrary. It is 100% the hook that gets people into listening to our podcast. It's not arbitrary at all. We have an entire scientific method that we <laughs> instigate for each and every episode. I have a rubric. I have a grading rubric for this shit. You might not know it, but I do, and it's all it's up here in my head. Yeah, when we do the little recap, that is us just explaining you the bare minimum of, of the 
all of the elements that went in to that exactly. specific skill. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we recorded a Reddit story last night. Ready so, to hear uh, it? Yeah. Let's let's jump into it. So for my Reddit story this week, I'm loving the idea yeah. of finding current Reddit stories versus going all the way into the past. I mean, the past ones are still really good to, like, dig through and find the really, like, fucking mint ones. Yeah, but there's something about, like, those recent ones. Yep. Like, give you, give you all those feels. And while I was digging, I found a story on the paranormal subreddit from yesterday. Okay. So, yesterday? Yeah. What? It's really new. And it, Damn, girl, that is new. Yep. <laughs> okay. And it was posted by the user Raspberry Waterfall. Beautiful name. Titled, Mystery Figure on Christmas. Raspberry Waterfall says, When I was eight or nine, I saw something weird on Christmas Eve. This was many, many years ago, but I still remember it like it was yesterday. I still believed in Santa Claus then, as a good amount of children do. Sam. Mm-hmm. And I had the usual anxiety and excitement for Santa to leave Christmas presents under the tree. After I went to bed, I had some trouble going to sleep with holiday nerves and such. I had finally drifted off when I woke up to the sound of soft footsteps somewhere in my room. I automatically assumed that it was Santa Claus, and I was scared to see him for fear he might leave or his magic will fail. I opened one eye just barely and saw this black figure standing over my bed, staring at me. It was tall, probably around six feet tall, and it was completely dark. It looked almost blacker than black in a way. I couldn't see any eyes, a mouth, or a nose on it, but I could clearly see... The outline of a head, arms, body, and legs. It looked like a bigger person, so thinking it was Santa just made sense. It stayed in one spot for 10, maybe 15 seconds, until it took a few steps closer. It leaned in a little more, still a few feet away from me, and then stayed there for 10 to 15 seconds more. Gross. Even though I couldn't see a face, I knew it was looking right at me. It's just that weird feeling you get when you know you're being watched or looked at. I closed my eyes again and waited a few more minutes, and when I looked back, it was gone. My goodness. I lived in a pretty old house at that time, so the doors and floorboards were squeaky and loud. I heard the footsteps, but I never heard the door open. I never saw this figure again, though I've had some other spooky experiences in the house. I asked my mom if she heard Santa when she came into my room last night, and she looked confused for a second, and then she played along and just assumed I was lying. I know this wasn't a person, and I know that it wasn't a dream. I also know that spirits and entities are often attracted to lots of excitement and energy, so Christmas would be a perfect time for a ghost to pass through. (laughs) That's not Santa. That's not Santa. (laughs) Um, That's gross. So I was reading some of the comments, and one commenter specifically said, you probably know this by now, it wasn't Santa either. My guess is it sensed your Santa feeling and showed up to please you. Since it didn't cause any negative feelings, as you recall, it may be one of the ancestors of your family or the house. That is a very positive take on what I thought was a very scary situation. So I like their take more than mine, which was demon. Yes. One other person commented and said, uh, that sounds like sleep paralysis. And the poster specifically said nope not sleep paralysis i had full control of my body 
Just a regular demon, then, not one of those sleep paralysis ones. Or an ancestor. I feel like if it was an ancestor that was nice, it wouldn't just, like, loom over and then lean closer. But what like, if it that seems like a very, like... What if it doesn't have another way to what communicate? What are you doing? It just wanted to make its well, presence known. It was like, hey, I understand that you're excited to see Santa. Let me show you something. It was good. It was a good thing. If you have a listener story you would like to submit, you can do so by visiting our website, www.leftofskeptic.com, and clicking the Listener Stories tab at the top of the page. You can also email us directly, leftofskeptic at gmail.com. You can choose to include your name or remain anonymous. Either way, we just ask that you please include your pronouns. You can also follow us on social media. We are at Left of Skeptic on Twitter and Instagram, as well as Left of Skeptic Podcast on Facebook. Thank you for joining us this spooky Wednesday. We love you very much. We do love you very much. And thank you to our diehard listeners who have been listening from the get-go. Also, thank you to the new listeners who are suddenly, like, catching on. (laughs) They cut a vibe. And they're ready for a ride. They just, they can't look into our eyes because it's a podcast. But. (laughs) Fact. (laughs) Meet me at our spot. Which is wherever you stream your favorite paranormal podcast. (laughs) Every spooky Wednesday. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me, Brittany Lind. The Left of Skeptic music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc, and our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye!